Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the UX world, where I still feel as though I've got a cold, I don't know what's going on, and I hope it's not coronavirus as I said last week, but I seem to have had this cold now for about three weeks, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, this episode is with Tim McElrath of The Food Network. I don't know if you've used The Food Network skill, and if you haven't, you should check it out. Um, You're going to learn a hell of a lot about it in this episode, because today we're talking about live broadcasting through Alexa and the whole shebang to do with what's going on with The Food Network and Amazon Alexa, who are building bespoke and specific technology in conjunction with the work that The Food Network are doing to enable live broadcasting through Alexa. We're going to talk about the whole thing, how the whole process works from end to end. You're going to learn a hell of a lot. I cannot wait to jump into this episode. But before we do that, I'd like to give a shout out to Sparks. The Sparks app is a podcast app. It's in beta right now and the chaps at the next layer who created the app are looking for some feedback. Essentially what it does is it lets you make Sparks or notes as you're listening to the podcast episode that you're listening to. You know what it's like when you're out and about or you're whatever you're doing, you've got your headphones in and you're listening to a podcast like VUX World and you come across a great insight that gets you thinking, gets your brain jumping. You know that moment when you zone out of a podcast and you start thinking of something and then you zone back into the podcast and that thought is then gone forever? Well, not anymore because with the Sparks app, you can make a spark, which is a capture of that thought, of that note, and you can bookmark it at the exact point in time on the podcast where you had it. And all of the sparks that you make for one podcast episode are all saved against that podcast episode and time stamped as well. So next time you want to think about whatever it was that you were thinking about when you were listening to VUX World, you can go back to the Sparks app, back to the episode, find the note, the thought that you were thinking of, and then carry on listening at that point in time, from that point in time to the podcast episode it's fantastic the guys are looking for some feedback so please do check out sparksapp.io slash vux download it give it a go as i said it's in beta so you'll probably need to download autopilot on your phone to get it installed but please do please check it out and please reach out to the guys and give them your feedback because they're looking for innovative early adopters who are at the front edge of technology and who also listen to podcasts (laughs) and if that sounds like you which i'm thinking it probably does then do check that out it's sparksapp.io slash vux Now, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, this is Tim McElrith of the Food Network on VUX World. VUX World. VUX World. VUX World. VUX World. Branding with the big faces. I love listening to it. Kane Sims. Kane Sims. Kane Sims, the one and only. Britain's finest, Mr. Kane Sims. Dustin. Dustin. Dustin Coates. I like it when you guys are together and talking about boys. Without further ado. Tim, welcome to the podcast. I'm glad that we're doing this because you're up to some absolutely amazing stuff at the Food Network. Do you want to give us a a bit of a sort of overview firstly in terms of like who you are and what you're up to in terms of the voice activity in uh, at the Food Network? Oh, sure, Kane. And uh, and thanks for having me on. I've been a big fan of the podcast for a long time. Um, So I'm Tim McArthur. Right now I'm Director of Engineering for Emerging Platforms at Discovery and specifically for Food Network which is known primarily as being a linear TV brand for food uh, education and entertainment. I've been working in the voice space for about four years now. We, we started a partnership with both Amazon and Google uh, pretty early on in 2016 to start 
um, sort of kicking the tires on voice voice interfaces and building out experiences for voice and multimodal. Um, and we've been doing that for quite a while as kind of a siloed team. But this year, or starting in April 2019, we joined a project to really rebrand and rethink what Food Network is um, across all of our platforms. So instead of just being a linear, a linear television brand based on advertisement uh, with some digital assets on web and mobile, we've decided to make Food Network a kind of all-encompassing multi-platform culinary entertainment and education brand. Um, and by that, I mean we're partnering with Amazon to deliver all of our content on Fire TV, iOS, and Android, and specifically on um, Alexa through Echo Show devices. To do this, we're building out new content types. Uh, so besides the episodic television and the, and the digital recipes, we're creating step-by-step -step video cooking classes, which are video demonstrations on how to make single, single meals or single techniques that have metadata and step-by-step -step, so you can ask for ingredients and directions as you're going along. So we have uh, a ton of uh, on-demand cooking classes. We're also doing um, which is new for us, uh, live broadcast cooking demonstrations. When we rolled out the application in October, we were doing about four a day at a, out of our New York and LA offices. Right now we've scaled up to up to 10 a day. And um, I, I noticed tonight that we have a big event coming up. Uh, Guy Fieri is going to be doing a pre-Super Bowl game day cooking demonstration with four, uh, four other chefs this evening. So this is, this is really a new content type for us because we normally don't do a lot of live broadcasting. We, we, are, we are doing this across all platforms. And on top of that, we're essentially building out what our, what our CEO David Zaslov calls the peloton of cooking. Um, we are incorporating live Q&A along with the, um, the, the live broadcast. So on our, on our mobile and connected TV platforms, you can actually go into a Q&A, um, type in a question, a moderator will forward it to the talent on air, and then they will answer you on air. So this is something that we now have on our mobile connected TV. We're working with Amazon to see how we can bring that experience over to Echo Show. So that if you're, if you're cooking along with a demonstration and you have a question, you can just go to your uh, Alexa device, ask the question using your voice, and then within a couple of minutes, a moderator will forward it to them and you'll get an answer by the talent on air. I, I can't wait till we get that working. That's going to be it's going to be an outstanding experience. So to get this straight in my head then, so you've got one Alexa skill and within that Alexa skill, you have recipes and step-by-step -step cooking instructions as well as live broadcasted cooking experiences. Is the live broadcast stuff in, in the, the skill as well? So one of the interesting things about our partnership in integrating our content with, on the Alexa platform is given the number of content types we have, you know, we, from episodic TV to, you know, text-based step-by-step recipes to video step-by-step -step to live broadcast, um, the breadth of what we're trying to bring to the platform is actually more than a, you know, what we know of as a skill can really sustain. Uh, you know, just, just the idea of building out a language model in a single, a single skill that could navigate all of the content types um, would, would be a nightmare. I think it would be probably more than a single skill could handle. Um, 
The other issue that we had when we first started developing uh, with Amazon is how do we how do we start connecting the different content types? So for Episodic TV, we we built we used the VSK to build out a video skill. For our recipe experience, we're doing content ingestion that allows the first party recipe experience to handle the actual navigation of the recipe because there are a lot of benefits to doing to, to using the first party um, recipe module on Alexa. Um, it allows for you know easy return to the recipe if you have to pause. Say for example, you put something in the oven for 20 minutes. It also allows you to do things like play music on Spotify while you're in, while you're um, interacting with the recipe, and it also doesn't rely on that request response model that a skill uh, needs to implement. In other words, every time a response comes back, you have to respond back with a question within eight seconds. You get a reprompt, and then if you don't respond, the skill shuts down, which is really not a way that you can in integrate with a longer-term um, utility like a recipe. So that's a, that's a long way around to saying that we're actually implementing a hybrid approach with Amazon in that some of it's going to be third-party development through the video skill, some of it's uh, first-party uh, content ingestion, and other parts are APIs where we provide curated content to Amazon uh, to display on curated landing pages. So the recipes are all being served first-party through Amazon Alexa, yeah? Correct. And the live broadcasting is something, so does the live broadcasting exist now or is that something that's coming? Live broadcasting exists. You can actually see our, um, uh, right now on uh, Echo Show devices, you can see the, the live schedule um, if you go, if you ask for um, show me live cooking classes. That should bring you to the, the live schedule. Okay. And that's a mixture of, of your own development plus some support from Amazon. Well, the, this is uh, API. This is metadata that we provide to Amazon via an API. Amazon is actually building out the platform capabilities to deliver live broadcasting content. It's actually one of the, the more exciting things um, that I think we've been doing that's going to benefit the platform as a whole. Right. We provide the, uh, the API schedule and the live streaming URLs and the metadata for each of the live classes. Amazon will then display the schedule and then deliver that live broadcast. Right. So they're now working on, on live broadcasting for everyone based on the work that you've been trying to do with them. Is that right? Well, right now we're kind of the guinea pig. So there, there are still parts of this experience that we're working through making a, making a good customer experience. One in particular is how do we um, how do we design lobbies for live broadcast? For example, somebody comes up to a um, comes up to our schedule ten minutes before uh, a live broadcast is uh, set to begin. How do we deliver experience that lets them know a countdown of how long it's going to be till it starts, and then automatically begins that broadcast when the when the time is right. Um, Right now, the, the platform doesn't really have the ability to do that. We're, we're working on that. Um, we've kind of split the difference right now as we start the live broadcast five minutes prior to its actual beginning, and we show an overhead shot so that people won't miss the beginning or have to time it right. But it's still part of the experience that we're working through with Amazon to figure out what's the right experience for, live, for entering live broadcasts. 
And we're also looking to leverage uh, this this content type across some of our other brands. So um, some other discovery brands such as Eurosport is also looking at how do they deliver live sporting broadcasts on Echo Show. So how much of your work that you're doing at the moment then is internal stuff that you're working on purely within with the resources that you have with the Food Network versus how much you work closely alongside Amazon to kind of like try and push this sort of stuff forward? Is this a total collaboration between the Food Network and Amazon or is it you working away for a little while until you get to a point and then approaching Amazon to try and get something resolved? How How's that kind of working? It, it, it's leaning more toward total collaboration. There are some areas where we can we could work fairly independently. For example, on the on the VSK uh, for delivering episodes, we 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 build out um, most of that experience ourselves. But when we're when we're talking about delivering live classes or building out uh, new content types like the step by step video how tos, that's working in collaboration with Amazon. Um, one of our big challenges right now is. How do we build out a experience that can act as a as a sort of a content curator for all of our types of content? Um, the the goal would be is would be for somebody to go to an Echo Show device and say Open Food Network Kitchen, and then they can navigate easily to all different content types. So, for example, if they're a fan of a particular chef. They can ask for content from a chef, and it can contain episodic videos. It can contain uh, recipes. It can contain, you know, next upcoming live classes, and they can navigate to those sub landing pages through that curated experience that would be managed by the brand itself. This is something that doesn't really exist yet, but I uh, we're working with Amazon to find out, you know, what the easiest way for a brand to start curating those experiences and delegating down to either other skills or first-party ingested data. Was a live video something that the Food Network was moving in that direction already and you had a strong voice presence and you wanted to combine the two? Or, or did voice help drive the decision to focus a lot more on live video? Um, I, I think voice has really helped drive a lot of our product direction here. I remember when a Discovery purchased Food Network and Scripps Networks, and this was back in uh, March of 2018. Um, David Zaslav, who's our CEO, was on CNN uh, giving an interview up, upstairs at the, at the kitchen on the day that we actually signed the, the deal. And he specifically said that their goal was to own the kitchen with Food Network, with Amazon and Alexa, or with Samsung and Google using their voice product which uh, was both delightful and terrifying to our team because <laughs> <laughs> we knew that something was going to come down the come down the pike pretty soon um, but it did show that at, at very high levels in the company um, it was recognized that these uh, that these voice multimodal conversational platforms were going to be major players in how we delivered uh, digital direct to consumer products how did you make that happen? We're at a we're at a point right now where, for a lot of people inside brands, they're fighting to get recognition for a voice. How were you able to convince the people up and down your company that voice was going to be important and strategic? Well, we we had uh, we had some great partners in our in our product leadership. 
So we began developing for voice uh, back in early 2016. Um, there was a small team of myself and another developer and a product person building out, you know, skills for Alexa and Google Assistant and doing a lot of experimentation. You know, we were fortunate in that there was really no expectation that we were going to generate revenue through this yet or build up massive user engagement. But our product team realized that this was something that was picking up steam very quickly and was likely to be a major way of, of delivering content to people in the future. Our, our real goals for the team were to learn as much as possible and also maintain a good partner relationship with Amazon and Google as the technology changed. So we did experiments with, um, you know, our first use case was, was really um, building a skill that allows people to watch TV and then ask Alexa and Google Assistant to save the recipes that they're watching at the moment and have it either emailed or saved to their recipe box so that they could go look at it later, which achieved the goal of connecting our content in a very basic way. You know, the linear content on TV to our digital assets. You know, if you think of before when you're watching TV and you see a recipe you want to you want to make, you either have to do a Google search or you have to go to the website and look up the TV schedule and find out what the recipe is. By the time you do that, you've, you've gotten most of your customers have dropped off and forgotten about. So this was a kind of a first step to figuring out how we could leverage voice to connect our, our, our various types of content together and build a single kind of ambient experience for our users. It was also recognized that by the time we started uh, uh, product ideation for Food Network Kitchen and thought of it as a coaching system, an education platform, and not just, you know, entertainment and digital recipes, but a, a, a way that people could use it as a tool to really improve their cooking overall. We saw the opportunity that that's a perfect use case for having a smart screen on your, on your kitchen counter that you can use hands-free and not only walk through recipes, but also ask questions and get you know get information as you need it while you're cooking. Hmm. And when you've been on this journey, you, you sounds as though you've taken a similar kind of approach to what most organisations are, are doing, which is that start with something relatively small and contained, crawl before you walk, scale it up as you go. How have you approached that kind of journey? Because there's a, there's a lot of companies now that are just beginning this journey. And so, so given that you've been doing this for four years and you've, you've kind of scaled what you've done uh, as Amazon have kind of uh, implemented various new capabilities and stuff, were you, from the start, were you starting with, okay, here is our end goal of live broadcasting and we'll talk about this kind of access everywhere, like all platforms integrated with each other and all that kind of stuff. Were you starting with that vision and then taking small steps to get there or were you just taking like every three or six months as it comes and just saying, right, well, let's just do this and then when we get there, we'll review it and then let's just do the next step. Like, were you starting with a vision and working towards it or were you just taking it in like incremental steps? It was, it was very much more incremental for us. You know, we kind of evolved our team as the platforms evolved. You know, uh, back in 2016, once we developed the voice skills um, for for Alexa and Google Assistant, uh, I think Alexa was in September and Google was in December of 2016. You know, they immediately turned around and said, "That's great. We're going to put screens on it 
go do that now. Um, you know, that's when the planning for the release of the, uh, the, first, the first version of Echo Show, um, Google is, was uh, rolling out uh, Google Assistant on phones. So along with doing our own thinking about how we can uh, best bring recipe content across voice, the platform was evolving so quickly that we were doing a lot of experimentation on just how to build um, experiences with our content on on multimodal devices and what that means for cross-platform across voice. Like, how do we build something that can support a smart speaker and a smart screen and effectively give information that's appropriate for either? And how do we build systems that can not only support multi-platform on a single single voice assistant, but across multiple voice assistants? Um, and this was at the time when a lot of the tooling that we have now wasn't really available. So you know, we we have you know uh, we have to start a really great ecosystem for for voice and multimodal tools, everywhere from you know testing to um, generating generating visual templates, things like that. You know, at the time we were kind of scrambling to to build those ourselves. One of the things you touched on earlier that is quite interesting about what you and your team are doing is this ambient quality because people aren't always in the kitchen when they're thinking about food. They might be, you know, from the TV, like you mentioned, or they might be in the car, they might be on the bus. And so how does all of this work together to connect with your, your viewers, with your users, wherever they are? It, it requires us to really think about how people, uh, most easily used technology to get the information they need in the situation they're in. So, for example, if you're, you know, in a lean back experience watching Fire TV and you're watching a television program and you you want to say, you know, you see, okay, that recipe looks good. I want to save that for later. You know, we want to make that path really easy. So you can either use the use the um, remote to pull up a carousel and save the recipe, and then that will be uh, you know maintained in your safe that you can easily access on a mobile device as you're out shopping, and then go later on after you finish your shopping, you can just pull that up on your Echo Show and start start making the recipe step by step using a voice assistant. And the idea is that all of the services that are available can be serviced on any any device that, that we support. But we kind of lean into what's more appropriate for that particular device. For example, you know, Fire TV is best situated for you know video viewing or long form viewing. Uh, mobile is really more for quick information when you're out and about. Um, you know, Echo Show on a kitchen counter is really for when you need that utility, when you have specific questions while you're cooking, when you need to be able to navigate a recipe without having to touch a screen. You know, and you know, one of the one of the features that we're working on right now, and um, I think I can talk about this because it, it's been in our advertising that we're that this is coming in 2020. Um, we're going to be building out a 24/7 online help system for subscribers, so that they can reach culinary experts with questions when they have it. And those are going to be context-sensitive questions. You know, if you're in a recipe, we'll know that you're 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 talking about a recipe. And you know, basically, it'll be along with the the live classes. We're kind of extending out that that idea of being live to actually being able to contact 
Food Network as your kind of uh, you know culinary support line. And is is that is that contacting a physical person, or is that that you'll be including a shed load of different types of queries that can be answered within Alexa? It's going to be actual people. Okay. Saying that, it is going to evolve into something that will be a hybrid solution. So you can imagine if we have if we start off where most of the questions are answered by actual people, over time we're going to get the same questions over and over again. We're going to be able to analyze the questions coming in into different categories and be able to uh, create responses that you know maybe from a from a, a, a repository of knowledge. And then if something doesn't fit in with that repository of knowledge, it then delegates down to live uh, live people who can work through the problems. And then that, again, feeds our our repository so that we our, our automated system becomes smarter and smarter over time. Because one of the things that I think we mentioned when we spoke was that for, for, like, for us, for example, if we're cooking something and we don't have a particular ingredient – Let's say we're cooking like a chicken dish and the recipe says, oh, and then mix some tarragon with some butter. And we're like, oh my God, we don't have any tarragon. What do we do? Like my my wife will use my mother-in-law and just like give her a ring or something like that. But I won't necessarily do that. I'll be just like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And then I'll just like, I'll either won't bother or make something up. So like... Having that kind of is that the kind of option you mean for this like culinary help is like what 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 can I substitute tarragon for or like this recipe is supposed to have like chicken in it but I've only got pork is that still doable is it th- is it those kind of queries right so our goal is to be Kane's virtual mother-in-law <laughs> so, so if, you, if you give us her contact information we'll be in touch and we'll start the we'll start the marketing but it is not only that because I I think what we want to bring. As, as a value proposition to our users, it's not just that we can answer you know basic questions like how many cups in a quart or can I replace this ingredient with that ingredient, but to support questions that may require a, a level of expertise and a level of trust up until the point where maybe it's more of a subjective answer. You know, uh, we, we'd love to be able to uh, you know support people who have questions like. You know, I'm I'm preparing a taco dinner for friends coming over tonight, and I just found out that one of them is bringing somebody who's vegan. How can I how can I uh, replace an ingredient so that I can I can you know give them a give them a good meal as well? Or you know, my my kids eat the same thing every day. What's a good what's a what's a good replacement for lunch for them? You know, we'd love to be able to answer things that are not questions that can simply be answered algorithm, algorithmically, but also give them, it gives us some information about what's important to people when it comes to food so that we can then turn around and start developing content that targets those questions. So if we find a lot of people are, you know, looking for ways to support, you know, friends and family who are vegetarian, we can start building out cooking classes that have mixed vegetarian and, and meat dishes. Or if we find a lot of it's about, um, you know, say, you know, feeding, feeding children um, and, and mixing up lunch options, we can start developing content around there. Um, one of the interesting things about uh, doing the product aviation for, for this is our goal really is to have it be openly conversational and not menu driven. So we don't want to, the experience to feel like a phone tree 
um, on any of the platforms. You know, we'd like to have the experience be as easy as, you know, you just press the help button and you ask a question using your voice so that you, the question comes through as naturally as possible so that we can get as much information as, as to what, the, what our customers really want. So that must cause you some a bit of problems now then, because unless unless you're kind of like, you know, super close partnership with Amazon gives you access to all of the transcripts, um, is that is that a challenge for you? Is that what you've just described there not necessarily being possible with the current technology, or is that not the case for close partners? Yeah, right now that's not it's not supported in in skills mm. because as we know, we, we you don't get that information. One of the reasons I'm kind of excited about our, our partnership with Amazon is we're working with them to find ways to extend what the platform can do. And, you know, not just simply for Food Network, but what the platform can do for anybody who's developing for that platform. You know, for what, be it live video, be it new content types like step-by-step, uh, you know, voice you know, voice interaction over live or voice help services. I, I, I would love to work with them to develop ways of extending what the platform can do. And I'm, I'm very encouraged by, by, by Amazon's enthusiasm for what we're trying to do and their open-mindedness about how they can change the platform to accommodate it. And is this, is, is all of this stuff, because I remember, I remember you showed us the app, the Food Network app, which is really cool. Um, and you have like a premium content model, don't you, where, where I can't remember, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it the live streaming is for premium subscribers? Right. So we, we do, we, we are on a subscription model. Everything that was free prior to rolling out Food Network Kitchen is still free. So the recipes and uh, you know some of our and our how-to videos and the things you could get on the app and the web are still free. But the new content types we've created, which are the the videos, uh, video on-demand cooking classes and the live cooking classes, and some premium video recipes are available only to subscribers. And is that in terms of like the vision for the food network fast forward three four three four five years do you see that the um the net benefit of having live interactive content being do you envisage that side of things being a premium service or do you envisage that being a something for everyone um i think it's going to be a mixture of the two Mm. so right now our live broadcasts are premium but we are Actually, opening up some of those live classes, um, a few. Uh, I think. I think right now we're on a cadence of one or two per week, that are that are free for everyone. So I think we're going to have sort of the premium live experiences and a mixture of, of free tier live as well. A lot of scope for that, isn't there? So you know, I can imagine like it's almost as if. Do you have in America? Um, or even in Paris, Dustin, do you have like the equivalent of like Saturday Kitchen? Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Okay, so maybe there's just an equivalent. So on a Saturday morning, I think it's on like Channel 4, um, there is, I think it's Tim Lovejoy, and there's another one with, I um, can't remember the chap's name, James, I think it's James someone. Anyway, 
celebrity like chef type guy uh, and it's just like an all day Saturday or Sunday it's either Saturday Kitchen it's called or and there's one called Sunday Brunch or something like that and essentially it's just a cooking show and you know it's just on kind of in the background and sometimes it's good and it's like just yeah just mornings where they'll just like you know they'll have celebrity guests on and they'll kind of like you know show you recipes and all this kind of stuff recommend wine and that but it's almost like what you're describing with like live cooking you can almost like envisage one where like you know you'll have like gordon ramsay doing like a special live cooking session but it's, it's like it's almost like saturday kitchen or sunday brunch for those people who are familiar with that in the uk like on steroids for like the digital first age so to speak yeah exactly and i i think you know now we're now we're focusing on cooking demonstrations but you know there are a lot of different types of programming we can do once we start thinking about this you know there you know you could have q and a ask me anything sessions with chefs um we could branch out um you know it, it, i'm talking off the top of my head now but we could branch out into having live cooking competition shows that's another uh, you know very popular content type on our on our network um there could be live culinary events, you know, food and wine festivals, things like that. Um, so there, there are a lot of different um, broadcasting opportunities we could do. Um, you know, broadcasting from within a restaurant, showing showing people what it's like inside of a, 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 a busy restaurant kitchen. Live interviews, um, you know, group chats, things like that. And then we layer on top of that, that Q&A aspect where we're, uh, viewers and customers can directly interact with the, the people on air. Do you see live media as being something that is going to be broadly applicable in the voice space, or is this something quite specific to what you guys are doing? Right now, we're thinking about it specifically for what we're doing. Um, we're also starting to think about it for some of our other brands. Um, you know, I mentioned Eurosport. Um, uh, specifically, we're thinking very deeply about how how we're bringing uh, live broadcasting there because it feels like a very natural fit. I think there's I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for it. Um, you know, I'm I'm thinking about other products that are, uh, uh, you know, for example, the the Facebook portal with Alexa integration, which you know is is in that same area where you're doing a live live interaction with with Alexa available at the same time. I think when we started out this process, we were taking a look at what made Peloton uh, a, a very different product from other exercise equipment and why the, the live class experience was catching on and really striking a chord with people. And I think when people are trying to improve their lives, you know, there's a lot of applications being built now um, in the area of self-help. And I'd argue that, you know, Food Network Kitchen is, in a way, a self-help application as well. If, you're, if your aspiration is to um, improve, your, improve the way you cook, improve your comfort in the kitchen, the way you take care of your health, the way you take care of your family, and putting some structure around learning how to do that, it's, those kind of experiences are enhanced with live interaction. Knowing that there are other people um, actually on that journey with you or sharing that experience with you and that direct connection with the person who is coaching or teaching you. So I, I think if, you know, I, I didn't really understand it completely until I started seeing the live broadcasts 
and they are of a different quality than a pre-recorded video step by step. You know, especially when you get somebody who's really confident about doing the demonstration and they're talking off the cuff and they're, you know, pumping out information about the food they're cooking, they're telling stories about their lives. You know, that's where that's where we we really shine is that we have some great you know, just celebrity talent as well as internal culinary talent that um, they, they, they really do a great job in that live context. You've got some similarities to, I think, companies who are just getting started now or early on in the journey, but then you've also got some differences because you've worked quite closely with Amazon. I think ultimately, fast forward a few years' time, and I think it'll be to everyone's benefit once they start rolling out this kind of capability more broadly. So, You've got similarities in terms of the approach that you've taken and your journey so far, but the difference being is that you've been working closely with Amazon. So aside from the work that you've been doing with Amazon, not doing anything kind of with voice prior to four years ago, then going on this journey, what are some of the either the surprises or the challenges or some of the core things that you've learned that you think that other companies just getting started today might be able to benefit from? I think one of the things I, I had to relearn was how much the technology I'd been using up to that point had shaped the way I thought about what was possible in terms of interacting with, with digital interfaces. Um, you know, the, the first year of using an iPhone, it felt very unnatural. But now it feels like the most natural thing in the world, um, really, because I, it's something we have just gotten used to. And we've we've kind of adapted ourselves to thinking that we need to adapt the way we, we talk to computers um, so that we meet, we meet the interface more than halfway. And, you know, I, I think... You know, what's very common when people talk about voice is that 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 line is shifting so that it's the interface's job to understand us the way we talk and the way we interact. Um, I would think even even beyond the way way we talk, the way we think of questions, the way we desire to get information and aggregate information together, um, and that the possibilities for what can be done is is really you know, growing exponentially right now. Um, so the thing that I, I, I started learning as we started doing this was, given, given the, the technology that's available, we can really start thinking about what are the core problems we're trying to solve for people, um, and not necessarily how can we adapt people to our, our current capabilities. So if somebody needs to learn how to cook or wants to um, you know, get in shape or, or, you know, basically do anything. How can we apply technology in a way that it, could, it gives them the information exactly the way they, they need to know it and understand them in the way they, they think and talk and then gets out of their way? It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a shift for us away from continuous engagement to just enough engagement to fulfill what the user needs and then getting out of their way so they can get on with their lives. What kind of engagement are you seeing? I know that, fair enough, you know, if someone just wants a recipe or some ingredients, then that could be a fairly quick interaction. And if you're not necessarily concerned with engagement on these platforms, then then uh, that's that's a, a decent 
interaction. But presumably, and I don't know if this is the case, but with live broadcasting, one could only assume that the engagement and, and the dwell time would be significantly longer than any other experience. Is that the case? We've done a lot of experimentation with live broadcast in terms of the length of engagement. Um, we, we find our, our, our broadcasts generally tend to run between 15 minutes and 35 minutes. I think that's about the average, depending on, depending on how complicated uh, the demonstration is. And we find that's about the upper limit of what somebody will want to process in a single session live session. Um, the other complicating factor about live is that there's no pausing. You know, in order to maintain that back and forth, we have to maintain continuous live. So we have to make sure that we're pacing our live broadcast in a way that people can not only process the information, but also cook along. And I think anything longer than, you know, a half an hour becomes a problem for people because it starts to wear them down. But so for engaging with, with individual pieces of content, you know, we find that that's about the right, the right length in terms of engaging with our, uh, you know, this new type of content as a whole. Um, you know, I can't really give out, you know, numbers, but we're seeing that people are starting to catch on. And our biggest challenge right now is really explaining the value of, of uh, you know, taking live classes of the step-by-step video classes and, and using, um, you know, a subscription product as a as a cooking education platform. So um, I think a lot of this is really trying to edge people into the product as a whole. And then there's the additional challenge of getting people accustomed to using something like a smart screen on their kitchen counter to store recipes, to actually, you know, make recipes and to ask questions because there are some deeply ingrained habits around making food that people have people have developed over generations. And you know, those aren't gonna change on a dime. So we have to be kind of very patient as people wade into using uh, these technologies to do things that, you know, that they may have developed habits over, over a lifetime or over generations. So th- those are some really good like people challenges and like consumer behavior changing challenges but there's also some technical challenges as well isn't there like and and obviously you're working on stuff with amazon i don't expect you to to kind of like reveal the grand master plan so to speak or the roadmap as such but some obvious things that come straight to mind is that there's a live broadcast and that's essentially a feed and in order for then to make some kind of conversation happen you need to be able to interrupt that feed ask a question and then resume the feed where it left off, or even a little bit later on, because the live broadcast is still live and happening while you're asking the question sort of thing. So I'm assuming that's one of the things that, that you're looking at trying to solve, is how do you interrupt a live session and then return back to where you left off and stuff like that? Right, absolutely. And and kind of measuring through user testing what the user expectation of what would what would happen when a user asked a question using their voice during a live presentation. And also doing a ton of user testing around what kind of questions would a user ask using voice um, and how would that be different from how they would ask the question in a chat interface where they could actually be listening to the class as it's going on and, and um, entering the question via, you know, via keyboard. Um, 
you know, right now we can do that live interaction considering the fact that we're multimodal. You can be watching the class on an Echo show and if you have a, a question, you could go over to the app and type in the question. Um, and that gives you that uninterrupted uh, back and forth. The, but we'd have to do a lot of experimentation and maybe testing around what the what the optimal experience for making sure you can you can ask a question of a class without actually interrupting your ability to follow along. Interesting conundrum that. So what what kind of team have you got working over there? Then have you have you got like a full team that's working on all of this full time, and, and Amazon's working on their side? So have you got like a lot of designers and developers, engineers, and things like that, user researchers and stuff like that, or or do you lean on Amazon for some of the some of the lifting? So we have a full team here, and um, one of the one of the interesting things that we're that's happening here at Discovery right now is for for the first three years that our emerging platforms team has been um, in place, it's been fairly siloed, kind of like an R&D team. Um, now that we're integrated fully into this, this product for Food Network Kitchen, we're now shifting that so that our engineering team is, um, is basically a, 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 you know, has pride of place amongst our mobile and web and connected services team as well. On, in both the engineering and as well as the product and design. So we're, we're beginning to fully integrate um, conversational and multimodal design into our design practice as well as our product and engineering practice. It's pretty advanced stuff. Not many companies are along that, that far along that journey. But having said that, it's taken, what, four years to get to that point? It's, it's taken a lot of experimentation and... Uh, waiting for the right opportunity to to fully integrate our our, our learnings and our and our and our partnership into larger products. Um, you know, you know, it hasn't been until this product that the the you know the the mobile connected TV and web teams have really started to integrate together to build out a single integrated product. Um, so there's there's been a lot of shifting around, not just within our, our voice multimodal teams, but within the way we're building out digital products across all of our platforms. How do you see your team growing over the next year? So right now we're we have a team in New York. So we have a, a full engineering team in New York. We're building out uh, another team in uh, Seattle area in Bellevue. Um, Discovery has a. a growing office for uh, engineering out in Bellevue right now. Um, we're looking to have up to, you know, uh, well, we're, we have a bunch of developers now there and we're hiring furiously out there across all of our, uh, all of our teams. Um, we, we are looking at some of the other brands very aggressively for these kind of uh, multi-platform ambient experiences. And so we are expanding the team out in Bellevue as well, and we'll probably get a full squad in terms of uh, you know, having design and product there as well. So, and then uh, there are also teams for some of the other brands that are just starting up um, for brands like Eurosport Euro and Motor Trend. Mm, exciting times. Is it available in the UK, in Europe, or is it just in America at the moment? Uh, our, we have a, a team out in London as well, uh, who is working on Eurosport. Right. And um, I believe uh, some of the Motor Trend teams out in Europe. 
and the food the food network the the skill and the platform is that available over this way uh food network is us only at the moment mm-hmm. um back when we were scripts network scripts network was uh almost exclusively a us only uh set of brands but now that we're part of discovery which is an international uh, the discovery brands are all international we are closely looking at uh moving food network hgtv and travel channel out to other countries so i would not be surprised if you if if we're we are available in other countries reasonably soon cool looking forward to that dustin any final thoughts or final questions for tim i don't think so thank you so much for coming on the podcast today tim yeah thank you too it's been it's been great i appreciate it for those in america how can they try out the Food Network experience? And then for those across the world, how can they follow the stuff that you're up to and uh, and keep tabs on, on what's going on and, and learn a little bit more about what you're up to? Um, so you can, uh, you can in the US, you can get the, the Food Network app on iOS, Android, Fire TV. And also you can link your, your uh, Food Network account on Echo Show and get the, get the experience there as well. Um, if you want to follow me or my random ramblings on Twitter, I am at Tim McElrath. Um, and if you attend any of the major voice events, uh, you'll be more likely than not to bump into me there. Cool. Tim, it's been an absolute pleasure. Hopefully we'll meet in person again sometime soon. But until then, thank you so much for joining us. It's been absolutely fantastic. All right. Thank you very much. It's been great. Cheers. Thank you, Tim, for joining us. Thank you, Dustin, as always. That was an immense, immense episode. This is an example of the future of smart displays, live broadcasted content straight through your smart display that you can interact with, being able to ask questions, have those questions fed to the chef and have the chef read the answers to those questions back. Live interactive video is what it's all about. And this will push the Alexa platform to the next level and then it opens up opportunities for all kinds of other live broadcasting you know music events I can imagine comedy shows being played live through Alexa so this technology advancement is really really important thank you Tim for championing this and for innovating and for pushing things forward and shout out to to Amazon for, for working with the Food Network on this to create the technology to make this happen I'm looking forward to seeing the results of this when it happens As I said, Tim, thank you very much. Dustin, thank you also. And as always, ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for listening. Until next time, see you later.